بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته اللهم انفعنا بما علمتنا وعلمنا ما ينفعنا ورزقنا علما تنفعنا به آمين رب العالمين رب شرح لي صدري ويسجد لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي We continue tonight with the fiqh of salah Bi'idhnillahi ta'ala And we are currently in the chapter of Sifatul Salah Right, the description of the Salah The last hadith we discussed was the hadith of the sitting And the way that we should sit Right, we, sat, we spoke about uh, a number of things in fact We spoke about a number of things The end of the hadith spoke about the way that we sit Right, in the Salah And this will come up often because as we go through the hadith uh, certain ahadith may have certain details that are not found in others And certain parts of other hadiths will be repeated Because the sahaba are relaying how they saw the Prophet ﷺ making salah So this will happen But it's for benefit insha'Allah that we repeat these benefits ifadati. Uh, as the saying goes In repetition there is benefit In repetition there is nothing but benefit So the first hadith uh, for the evening is from Ali bin Abi Talib radiyallahu anhu an Rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam annahu kana idha qama ila salati qala when he stood up for salah he used to say wajjahtu wajhiya lilladhi fatara samawati wal arda ila qawlihi min al muslimin Allahumma anta al maliku la ilaha illa ant Anta Rabbi wa ana abduka ila akhirihi rawahu muslim Wa fi riwayatin lahu anna thalika fi salatil layl So we find the hadith here for Ali says That when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam stood up for salah He recited a, a dhikr And this dhikr is what we call the dua of istiftah Which is the dua of the opening supplication the dua which deals with the opening supplication. So what, when is this dua? After we start the salah, we say the takbiratul ihram, which is the rukun of the salah. There can be no salah except with the rukun. So we start the salah, Allahu Akbar. And before we decide suratul fatiha, you will hear if you pray in jama'ah often, the imam, when he starts, there's a, there's a pause, right? You hear the imam, Allahu Akbar. And you, a, a, a pause. This is the time for dua ul istiftah, the opening supplication. So there's a number of different opening supplications that, that have been narrated from the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. We are going to go through some of them tonight. Bi idnillah. The first of which found in the in the book is this one over here, where uh, Ali narrates that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, after he stood, he would say. Yani obviously we know this is after the takbiratul ihram He would then say وَجَّهْتُ وَجَهِيَ لِلَّذِي فَطَرَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ حَنِيفًا وَمَا أَنَا مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ إِنَّ صَلَاتِي وَنُسُكِي وَمَحْيَايَ وَمَمَاتِي لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ وَبِذَلِكَ أُمِرْتُ وَأَنَا أَوَّلُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ Right? We're going to get there, right? وَأَنَا أَوَّلُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ Now this is how it's found in the Qur'an. If you check Surah Al-An'am, verse 162 to 163, you will find this, this ayah in the Qur'an. You will find the ayah, وَجَّهْتُ وَجَهِيَ لِلَّذِي فَطَرَ السَّمَاوَةُ وَالْأَرْضُ حَنِيفًا وَمَا أَنَا مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ إِنَّ صَلَاتِي وَنُسُكِي وَمَحْيَايَ وَمَمَاتِي لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ وَبِذَلِكَ أُمِرْتُ وَأَنَا أَوَّلُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ This is ayat of the, of the Quran. Awalul Muslimin is found in the Quran. Awalul Muslimin. Wa ana awalul Muslimin. Right? Surah An'am, verse 162 to 163. You can find the ayat over there. 162 to 163. Suratul An'am. Taib. And then he would say. Allahumma anta al-maliku la ilaha illa ant Anta rabbi wa ana abduk Oh Allah you are al-malik the king There is no ilah but you No deity except for you 
Anta Rabbi wa ana abduk You are my lord and I am your slave Zalamtu nafsi And it's a lengthy narration Right? Wa'ataraftu bi dhambi I have wronged myself And I acknowledge my sins Faghfir li dhunubi Jami'an forgive me for all of my sin Innahu la yaghfiru dhunuba illa ant There is none that can forgive sin except for you Wahdini li ahsani al-akhlaq And guide me towards the best of akhlaq La yahdi li ahsaniha illa ant There is none that can guide towards the best of akhlaq except for Except for you Wasrif anni sayyi'aha And turn me away from bad akhlaq and evil akhlaq There is none that can turn away from evil akhlaq except for For you Labbayka wa sa'dayk Ya we are wa sa'dayk Wal khayra kullahu biyadayk Ufiyadayk And all goodness is in, in your hand وَالشَّرُّ لَيْسَ إِلَيْكَ And evil is not attributed unto you. أَنَا بِكَ وَإِلَيْكَ تَبَارَقْتَ وَتَعَالَيْتَ أَسْتَغْفِرُكَ وَأَتُوبُ إِلَيْكَ This is the full dhikr that is found in the hadith in Sahih Muslim. That Ali says when Rasulullah started his salah, this is what he would say. This is what he would, what he would say. Understand? We're gonna run through. I'm gonna run through just the beginning part. What means I direct my face. I turn myself. The word wajahiya means my face. But what do we mean by this? We mean I turn my face, yani facing the qibla, and also my heart. I turn my entire self to who? Towards Allah. When we use the word face in this context, it means my entire self. You understand? So I turn my face in this direction, I turn my heart in this direction. This is what we mean when we say, To whom do we face? Fatara The one who created the heavens and the earth. The one who we turn our face to him. Fatara means the one who created something that was original. And that's why we could translate Fatir Al-Fatir is Allah's name as the originator. Because he brought something to existence which never existed before. There was no like, like the heavens and the earth before. Allah brought it as the creator of something new. The inventor or the originator. This is Allah's name, Al-Fatir. Right? And often we see in the Quran, Fatir al-Samawat wal-Ard. Surah Fatir in the Quran, Alhamdulillahi, Fatir al-Samawat wal-Ard. Praise and thanks be to Allah who is or to the one who is the originator of the heavens and the earth. Right? So this is the one we turn towards. Now, on this issue, Shaykh Ibn Uthaymin, rahimahullah, he says, that the way Ibn Hajar mentioned the hadith, he mentioned it as towards wa'ana minal muslimin. The word is minal muslimin as opposed to awwalul muslimin. You understand? And on this issue, Ibn Uthaymin rahimahullah says that the correct way to say it is wa'ana awwalul muslimin because that is the way the Quran uh, mentions it. That is the way the Quran mentions it. And Allah knows best. But there are other ulama who said that instead of awalul muslimin, it should be wa'ana minal muslimin. Understand this? And I will, I will touch on that, what's meant by that soon, inshaAllah. Inna salati wa nusuki wa mahyaya wa mamati. My? Before my life and my death. Salati. My prayers, my salah, wa nusuki. What's my nusuki? Nope. What's your nusuk? Inna salati wa nusuki. Life and death is next. Mahyaya wa mamati. That's life and death. Nusuki. Your, your nusuk refers to your worship. Right? Or it refers to your sacrifices. 
inna salati my salah and my sacrifices right but Ibn Uthaymin says that some ulama said it means you, you, not just your sacrifices but your worship in general right so your nusuk refers to sacrifices or your worship in general all of this is for who and my life and my death. All of this belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of this is in the hand of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We cannot love, we do not die except by the will of Allah, by the instruction of Allah. So we say this, My loving, my dying, my life and my death, is for the sake of Allah, who is Rabbul Alameen. The Lord of the Alameen. Rabb, the Lord of Al-Alameen. Al-Alameen is every single thing except for Allah. Which you could say is all of creation. So it's Alameen refers to everything besides Allah. So Allah is the Lord of everything besides himself of course. Meaning he has no Lord. He is the Lord of all that has been all in existence, all of creation, right? La sharika lah. Yes. La sharika lah. No partner unto him. There is no partner unto him. Wabidhalika umirt. And it is with this that I have been instructed and commanded. Wa ana awwalul muslimin. And I am the first of the Muslims. Awwal means the first, right? وَأَنَا أَوَّلُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ This dua was recited by who? In the Quran it refers to Nabi Ibrahim alayhi salam. It refers to Nabi Ibrahim alayhi salam. This is something that he recited, that he read, that he said. So what is meant by أَوَّلُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ? It means that I am the best of the Muslims. That's what it basically means. It doesn't necessarily mean the first Muslim. Right? Because Ibrahim was not the first Muslim. There was prophets before him. And there were Muslims who followed them before him. What it means in this context is, and I am the first of the Muslims is what? I am the best of the Muslims, which means? It means I'm the best of the Muslims. The closest to Islam. You understand? And Allah knows best. So on this point, some scholars said, instead of us, when we make this dhikr, we shouldn't say, because we are not the best of Muslims like Ibrahim was, or like the Prophet Muhammad was. Rather, we should, we should, we should say, and I am from amongst the Muslims. See the difference? means I am from the best of the Muslims. means I am from amongst the Muslims. Right? So on this issue, Ibn Uthaymin rahimahullah, he says, that the best is to do what the Quran says. And the Quran says, وَأَنَا أَوَّلُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ وَأَنَا أَوَّلُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ But there's obviously a difference of opinion on this issue. So if you've been taught, وَأَنَا مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ That's what you've been saying. There's no. يعني, we're not going to say that you've been doing wrong in your salah, is incorrect and so forth. This is the opinion of Ibn Uthaymin. You understand? Allah uh, A'lam. Allahu alam. What majority of the ulama have said about it, I don't know. So, you can't go wrong by saying awalul muslimin. Why? That's what the ayah says. You understand? You are just repeating what the ayah says in that way. Understand? So some of the fuqaha have said, and it's mentioned in classical books, that instead of awalul, you should say minal muslimin. Are you with me? Allah alam. Um, Either way, I would say it's correct. Either way, I would say it is correct and Allah knows best. Um, so that's the first part of the dhikr. The next part says, Allahumma antal maliku la ilaha illa ant. Right? I'm not going to go into a commentary on that too much. It's part of the hadith. It's part of the hadith. Yeah, no, it's part of the hadith. Says, this is what the Prophet said. He recited the word Jahtu and then he recited Allahumma anta al maliku la ilaha illa ant. 
Yes. Um, does it mean that our um, niyat is incomplete, our dhikr is incomplete? Allah knows best. I think Allah alam. Allah alam. I'm not gonna answer. Um, I will I will do some research on it. Put it that way. But but I've seen that some ulama mentioned just that part. I've seen that some ulama mentioned just that part, and they suffice with that, as opposed to the this extended version. Understand? But I'll I will come back to you on that issue, inshallah. No, I know, I know. That's what that's what many of the Shafi'i ulama. This is the what we find is there's a number of different ones. So some of the Shafi'is focused on this one, and they taught this <coughs> most of the time. Some of the Hanafis took a different one. We're going to see this one coming up, and so, and so forth. You understand? Right? And we're going to explain how do we do them, when do we do them, and so forth. Um, so should I go through the whole long dua? Yeah, that's good, because they know. Huh? Yeah, no, also for them, The dua, look, the dua you need to learn. Understand that that. That's so good. That we know also so that we can. When we learn it now, then. We give it up. Okay, I'll go through it very quickly, right? Allahumma anta al Malik. Oh Allah, you are al Malik. This name we've explained in the names and attributes of Allah. That Allah is the king. He, this is his kingdom. He is the perfect king and he will be the final king. Right? He is the owner of everything. Understand? La ilaha illa ant. There is none worthy of worship except you. Right? This is clear. We know what this means. That all worship is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Anta rabbi wa ana abduk. You are my Lord and I am your slave. This is again clear. You are the Lord of everything. You are rububiyah. Right? And we are your slaves. Ana abduk and I am your slave. This is you basically, um, you know, reminding yourself of your position. And who you are standing in front of, who are you addressing? You are addressing your Lord, your creator, your sustainer, your provider. And you are just a slave. Allah is, has everything with him and you have nothing with you. Um, I have wronged myself. Right? I have done an injustice to myself. Meaning by my sins. By my sins, I have oppressed myself. I have wronged myself. But I acknowledge my sin. And this is a very important point. That when we sin, the first key, the first yani, key towards tawbah is to acknowledge that you are wrong. To acknowledge that you have sinned. The moment you justify your sin, you will never make tawbah. You will never change. You will never benefit because this is now arrogance where you refuse to learn, you refuse to acknowledge what you have heard. So the first step towards tawbah is to acknowledge. And when you're turning to Allah, you are saying to Allah, I have sinned, I have wronged myself and I acknowledge this. I acknowledge these are my I acknowledge I was wrong. This is part of tawbah. You understand? It's like someone apologizes to you. Right? So, let's say you are upset with somebody because of something that they said. And they come to you and say, look, well, I'm sorry. Okay, it's over, I'm sorry. Right? But when you discuss it with them, they say, look, I didn't do anything wrong, man. But it's okay, I'm sorry. That apology, is it a sincere apology? Is it a genuine apology? It's not a genuine apology because they don't even acknowledge the, the error in the first place. You understand? They don't even act, they're just saying to you, sorry, to get it out the way to, you know, for you to, to maybe stop being angry or so forth. But that apology is not a real apology because they don't even acknowledge that they were wrong in the first place. You understand? Now, when it comes to sins, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept your, your tawbah or to uh, forgive your sins, the first step is, Ya Allah, I acknowledge what I did was wrong. These are my sins. And if you look at the dua, Sayyidul Istighfar, the best way to seek forgiveness, right? The Prophet said, we, we, it's a sunnah to say this morning and evening. 
Allahumma anta rabbi la ilaha illa anta khalaqtani wa ana abduk very similar oh Allah you are rabbi my lord la ilaha illa anta you are the none worthy of worship except you khalaqtani you've created me wa ana abduk siya rububiyya again and I'm your slave wa ana ala ahdika wa wa'dika mastata'at and I'm upon your promise and your covenant as much as I can a'udhu bika min sharri ma sana'at I seek refuge in you from the evil of that which I have done I acknowledge your, your favors upon me. And what else? I acknowledge my sins. You see, part of the best way of seeking forgiveness is to say this. I acknowledge my, my sins, my wrongdoings. Then we say, forgive me. There's no one that can forgive the sins except for you. So this is a key of, of in, in, in istighfar, is to admit your faults. And even if you apologize to people, admit to them, look, what I said was wrong. What I did was wrong. The way I did it was wrong. This is the key to asking and apologizing. This is the, a, a very much a key ingredient when you apologize is to acknowledge your sin. Acknowledge your fault to that person. So you're showing the person you're being genuine. You understand? You're not being arrogant and saying, Ah, oh, it's okay, forgive me, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but you know, I wasn't even wrong, but I'm sorry. You know, you say, look, I'm sorry, this is what I did, and so forth. And the same with Tawbah. And guide me to the best of Akhlaq. A beautiful dua. Guide me to the best of Akhlaq. There is none that can guide to the best of Akhlaq except you. And again, we show, Allah, this is you showing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that nobody can guide me to this to having proper akhlaq and morals and, and character and proper etiquette, except you. I'm in need of you, Allah, for me to become such a person who is a person with upright character. If it's not for you, I will never be a person who is upright in my character. And we know the importance of character. Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, used to say, your character is your deen. If somebody surpasses you in character, he has surpassed you in, in deen. Then he has surpassed you in religion. Because character and deen, they go hand in hand. When a person has bad and evil character, this is a reflection of his iman. This is a reflection of his, of his deen. That there's something lacking. There's something that is not, there's something bad regarding his iman. Because that's a reflection of his character. And your character is a reflection of your iman. So to, uh, to be an upright person, a person of, with, with upright character, is of utmost importance. Allah says that indeed you, O Muhammad you are a person who has high moral standards. A person of a high moral standing was who? The Prophet Muhammad And he is our role model. You understand? So this is important to study him and his lifestyle and to benefit from his character. Because often his character is what brought people to Islam. His character is what brought people to Islam. And that's where the saying comes from, that actions speak louder than words. You can speak to people and encourage people and, and be a da'i with your speech. But your actions can, can nullify your speech. Your actions can chase that person away. Your actions can be as a stronger effect. That person doesn't listen to you because of the person that they're looking at. And so for Allah Musta'an. And turn me away from Sayyul Akhlaq. Bad character. There's nobody that can turn me away from a bad character except you. Understand? Again, acknowledging this, that it lies in the hands of Allah. And you are asking Allah through this dua for upright character. And to keep you away from bad characteristics, evil manners, and so forth. Labbayka wa sa'adayka. Labbayk, we know, means you're acknowledging, Ya, I am, O Allah. I'm, I'm here. I'm responding to your call. You invite to salah. Yeah, we are. We act, we, yeah, this is what we are responding to. Wa sa'adayka. Wa sa'adayka means and help and assistance is, yani, it comes from you. This is what we are looking for. وَالْخَيْرَ كُلَّهُ بِيَدَيْكَ And all goodness is in your hand. The goodness in this world, in the akhirah, all types of goodness is in the hand of Allah. We acknowledge this fact. 
وَالشَّرُّ لَيْسَ إِلَيْكَ But evil is not unto you. Cannot be attributed to you. Understand? Anything bad and evil that happens cannot be attributed towards Allah. Even though it happens only by the will of Allah. It happens by the will of Allah, but does it mean Allah is evil? No. Because whatever happens, it happens for a reason. So if something happens to you, مَا أَصَابَ مِن مُصِيبَةٍ فِي الْأَرْضِ أو مِنْ أَنفُسِكُمْ إِلَّا فِي كِتَابٍ One ayah. أو مَا أَصَابَ مِن مُصِيبَةٍ Any musibah that befalls you is only because of your own doing. Any calamity that befalls you is only because of your sins. So it's justice. As Ibn Taymiyyah rahimahullah he said, every grace or every mercy that you experience, every bounty that you experience is nothing but grace from Allah. In reality, we don't truly deserve it without, because of our sins. But because Allah has given us this bounty, it's just out of His grace that we experience these bounties. And every punishment and calamity that comes your way is nothing but justice. It's not oppression, it's justice. Because of our sins, our endless sins, we have to face some calamity. And when we face that calamity, it's because of our sins. Understand? And at other times, Allah gives you calamities to raise your ranks. He gives you calamities to forgive your sins. He gives you difficulty and calamities to, to turn, to, to purify you and to make you make tawbah. So what happens is you become negligent and heedless and you become a sinner. And when you neglect your salah, you neglect your Quran, you neglect this, you neglect that. And then what happens? You become extremely sick or a family member becomes extremely sick or you, be going, you, come, you fall into heavy uh, financial loss, whatever it may be, and you go through difficulty. But what does that difficulty do to you? It brings you closer to Allah, and you become closer to Him, and you start to supplicate, and you make dua, and you make dua, and you make dua. And before you know it, you are relieved of that calamity, and you have become closer to Allah. That calamity was a good thing for you. That calamity was a favor upon you. And this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala works. So evil can never be attributed unto him. Abadan. It can never be attributed unto him. Ana bika. Meaning, I am with you. Or I am because of you. Meaning my existence is because of you. My strength, my actions. All of this is because of you. Because of your assistance. Wa ilayka. And I am for you. I'm, 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 what I'm, I'm for you meaning that everything I do is for your sake. My actions are for you. My salah is for you. This is like ikhlas. You are, I am for you meaning I'm working for your sake. I'm acting for your sake. Blessed are you. In every way Allah is mubarak. He's full of blessings. And exalted are you. Allah is above everything, exalted and above everything. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. I seek your forgiveness and I repent unto you. This is the dua. It's a beautiful dua. Understand? It's not difficult either. It's actually an easy dua to memorize. So to memorize the whole one is definitely the best. To do the first one on its own, many scholars did say it's acceptable and Allah knows best. Understand? But I'll do some research on. Uh, um, Sheikh said that um, it's a sunnah. It's a sunnah, yes. So it's not a fart. It's not a fart, no. So we don't say it? No. We don't say it, there's no sin on you. And your salah invalid? No, your salah is not, definitely not invalid. So if some people say when you make the sunnah salah, um, so it's not compulsory to say, like, you know, it's not shafi, compulsory, no. It was a shafi, it was taught. If you make sunnah salah, you don't make, um, you have always made it now. Yeah. But I'm just saying, you know, just want to clarify. Yes. Um, so if you, um, so when it comes to sunnah salah, um, shafi, must be a shafi is taught, it's not, um, it's not recommended or not sunnah to say. Yeah. Not, um, yeah. 
You don't have to say it. That's the thing. It's it's highly recommended to say it. But if you left it out, there's no sin upon you. Definitely not. And nor is your salah invalidated. But if you said it, you get extra reward. And there's certain ones that carry great du'as like this has a great du'a in it. And there's reminders in it if you understand it. Like for example, you start Allahu Akbar wajahtu wajahiyya. That already I direct myself. I've turned myself over now away from the dunya. I turn myself away from the TV, away from work, away from campus, away from studies, away from my family, away from everything. To Fatara Samat wal Abd. Hanifan Musliman. We didn't even explain that part. Hanifan means someone who's free from shirk. Pure, purely upon the sake of Allah, Tawheed. Musliman, as a submitted to Allah as a Muslim. Wama ana min al mushrikeen. And I'm not of those who associate partners or the mushriks. Right? Then we say, Inna salati wa nusuki wa mahiyaya wa mamati la rabbil alameen. Right? Tayyib. Uh, but all of that is a reminder, if you say it with understanding, there's a great reminder in it. Yani that, you know, that gets your salah on track. That gets your salah on track. There is no such thing as salah to shukr. There is no such thing as salah to shukr. There is something called sajda to shukr. Sajda to shukr, which is when something happens, you pass an exam, you put your head on the ground to thank Allah. You don't need to face qibla, you don't need to do. It's not a salah. So none of the conditions of salah applies. So no awrah, no qibla, no wudu, no nothing. Something good happens, you make sajda. And you thank Allah. Saying, um, you thank Allah. Just you can say anything. anything. You make you. The point is, you put your head on the ground. No. 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 It's not a fard salah. Like the fard salah is, we, we, everything has to be in Arabic. But the sajda to shukr is just a sajda. It's not a salah. Remember, it's just you thanking Allah by putting your head on the ground. But salah to shukr, there is no such thing as salah to shukr, and Allah knows best. So from the benefits of this hadith is that firstly the main benefit is that this thing this dhikr is a sunnah to do after you start the salah the opening supplication this is how you start your salah after the takbiratul uh, ihram right that's the main benefit that we get from this hadith right we've taken many other benefits by going through the explanation of the hadith and that is where you will that, that is where you will experience the main benefits when you understand what you are saying because this is where, you, as I said, you're reminding yourself, wajahtu wajahiya, to whom originated the heavens and the earth. You remind yourself, Hanifan, purely for the sake of Allah, free from any shirk. Musliman, I'm not of the mushrikeen. So, inna salati, my salah, my ibadat, my sacrifices, my living and my death is only for Allah, the Lord of all that exists. Understand? When you say this with understanding, you'll get your salah on track. You put your salah in the best possible state. You understand? So these du'as, there is great wisdom in it. And there is great reward in it. And so we say it is, it is mustahab. It's highly recommended to recite them. But if you did not recite them, there is no sin upon you. Nor is your salah invalidated or anything like that. Understand? Tayyib. The next hadith is from Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu. He said, "Kana Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam idha kabbara lilsalati sakata hunayhatan qabla an yaqra." When he started the salah, and he said the takbir, kabbara he said, "Allahu akbar." Sakata hunayhatan. Abu Huraira says that he he was quiet for a short period of time. That's what we said. When you start the salah, there's a period of quietness of the by the imam right before you hear alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen there's a part where he is quiet right and this only applies when in the first rak'ah there's no dua al istiftah in the second or third or fourth rak'at it's only when you open the salah you start the salah understand so the prophet was quiet when he started the salah abu huraira says and i asked him about it فسألته. فقال أقول. so he said I say in the salah, Allahumma ba'id bayni wa bayna khatayaya kama ba'atta bayna al-mashriqi wal-maghrib. 
Allahumma naqqini min khatayaya kama yunaqqa thawbul abyadu min ad-danas. Allahumma aghsilli min khatayaya bil ma'i wa thalji wal barad. Muttafaqun alayhi. Hadith is in Bukhari and Muslim. So this is another example of a dua that is for istiftah. In Muslim. In Sahih Muslim. Okay. Now this is another very beautiful dua. Right? A very important dua. And we'll explain what the dua means. Allahumma ba'id bayni wa bayna khatayaya. Kama ba'atta bayna al-mashriqi wal-maghrib. Oh Allah. Allahumma means oh Allah. Ya Allah. Ba'id means distance me. Bayni wa bayna khatayaya. Distance me and basically distance me and from my sins. Or create a distance between me and my sins. Create a distance between myself and my and my sins. Kama ba'atta. Just like you made a distance between the Mashriqi and the Maghribi. Between the East and the West. Now there's no greater distance like the distance between the East and the West. Like in the Quran, in Surah Zukhruf, Allah says, Hatta idha ja'ana, and when they come to us, qala for judgment, when they come to us for judgment, on judgment day, they will say, to whom will they say? They will say to their qareen. Each person has a qareen with them, a companion from the jinn that's with them, that tries to encourage them to do bad, right? They will say to their qareen, Ya layta bayni wa baynaka bu'da al-mashriqayn. How I wish there was a distance between me and you, like the distance between the east and the west. Meaning, فَبِئْسَ الْقَرِينَ Quran says, what a wretched companion. What a wretched companion. Meaning this qareen overcame this person and misguided this person. And sent this person to do all types of bad and encouraged him to do all types of evil. And when he comes to Allah for guidance or for judgment, on Qiyamul Qiyamah, he will say to his Qareen, how I wish you were distanced from me, like the distance between the East and the West. Yani as far away from you as possible, I wish that was the case. Because you are Fabi'is al-Qareen, the most wretched of companions. The worst of, yani if you read me, destroyed me. You understand? Uh, so the point here is, that is how much distance they would want. You understand? So this is like the, the biggest of distance that a person can possibly have between the east and the, and the west. So we are asking Allah, Oh Allah, create a distance. Or distance me from my sins like the distance between the east and the west. That's point number one. And then, Allahumma naqqini min khatayaya kama yunaqqa thawbul abyadu min ad-danas. Oh Allah, cleanse me from my sins. Naqini min al-dhunubi wal-khataya. O naqini min khatayaya. Cleanse me, purify me from my sin. Like a white garment is purified from dirt. Like a white garment gets purified from dirt. Now it's known. If there's any garment you're going to wear that's going to get dirty very quickly, it's a white garment. If you wear thobes, you know, if you wear a black thobe or a dark black thobe like this that I'm wearing, you can wear it for a whole week and you don't see any dirt on it. You understand? No issues. But you wear white thobe for two days and you see black at the bottom, black here in the collar, and you see on your cuff there's some black. Just the dust and just, you know, just from day to day wearing, you see the, the hadith speaks about a white garment that's purified from dirt, meaning it's always getting dirty, it always needs to be purified. The same year, we are asking Allah, purify me from my sins, cleanse me from my sins. The same way a white garment is purified. It has to be purified all the time. And when it comes out, it looks clean and pure and beautiful. Right? And it's a sunnah to wear white garments, by the way, for males. Because it was the most beloved color to Rasulullah to wear. Was to wear white. Understand? So white pants, white shirt. I would say a white thobe. Yes, white in general is good. By the white pants. Yeah, Saram. 
I mean, uh, you look a bit oh, w- weird nowadays if you have white pants and a white shirt and white socks and white shoes and a white face. You know? I mean... Like a kurta. No, that's fine. That's perfect. Well, white robe and white pants and yes, that's perfect. But I'm not saying you must only wear white and then look strange. You know? Yeah. In this case, it was like a thobe. Or even a white turban, for example, something nice. A white scarf, a white, like we wear, maybe the Saudi style, Shemak, no problem. A white face like we wear, it's good. But just something white. But white in general was beloved to the Prophet But now, do we say that you must wear white pants and a white uh, socks and white shoes and, you know, then uh, uh, the Prophet also prohibited us from wearing clothing that makes you stand out and makes you look odd. So if that looks odd in the community, then that's something I wouldn't recommend. A white thobe is something, you know, it looks it's sunnah, it's, it's something, that's, that's more, that's what I would say is, is what's, what we are uh, uh, speaking about. Allahumma ghsilni min khatayaya bil ma'i wa thalji wal barad. Oh Allah, wash me, ighsil, like ghusl, wash me of my sins bil ma'i with water, with thalj and barad, with rain and with hail. With hail. Okay? So you are asking Allah here to wash your sins away. Right? And Ibn Uthaymin says that if we look at this, these three du'as that we are making here, the first du'a is distance me from my sins like you distance the east from the, the west. Right? So, meaning, for example, if there are sins that you are not engaged in, Right? Then keep me far away from it. If there are sins that you are not engaged in, keep me far, uh, far away from it. And if there are sins that you are, I am engaged in, purify me of the sins like a white thobe is purified from dirt. Understand? And to wash it all away, to get away, get rid of it completely, wash me from my sin with rain, with water and ice. With water, rain and ice. If you take these three examples, that is how you get rid of sin completely. You are distanced away from it. You are purified from it if you were engaging in it. And you washed yourself off completely. Understand? It's a beautiful dua. It's a way to truly rid yourself of all of the sin. And in fact, you could ask yourself, why does the hadith speak about cold water or ice and hail? And not fire or not hot water. Because how do you wash something? What's the best way to wash something? Do you use hot water or cold water? How do you wash to clean something off? Would you use warm water? You want to clean something. Generally hot water cleanses, cleanses better, isn't it? Right? But this hadith speaks about cold water and ice and, and hail. And the reason for that is, Ibn Uthaymin says, if you look at sin, how is sin punished? It's burnt, you get burnt. Fire of Jahannam, for example. That's where the sinner ends up. You understand? So we are looking for the opposite of that. To be cleansed off in a cool way, as opposed to being burnt. Understand? This is one example of how, why the hadith speaks about that, and Allah knows best. So the benefits of this hadith is, again, it's a sunnah to start the salah with this saying, or with this dhikr, Allahumma ba'id bayni, right? Towards the end of the... Dhikr uh, Also The Prophet ﷺ kept quiet for a short period of time This is what Abu Hurairah said And that Moment of quietness Startled him Such that he went to the Prophet and asked him and said You kept quiet for a short period Why did you keep quiet? You see how the Sahaba were? They noticed something The Prophet made Allahu Akbar And then all of a sudden he was quiet For a few seconds And then he recited that immediately sparked something in their heads and Abu Hurairah said, we went to, I asked him about it. Why was there this moment of quietness? What does that tell you? That usually there was no quietness in the salah. When they found this moment of quietness, something was up. Something, you know, let me ask about this. And the Prophet taught in this dua. So this also proves that the salah is never a moment of quietness. When they are obviously reciting. Obviously between the Sujood and Tahiyat is quiet, and though obviously that is in its place. But in this case here, 
There shouldn't be a moment of quietness um, when you are standing up and reciting the Quran. Okay, now the next question is, we've learned this, we've learned this dua, we know about the previous dua, wajahtu wajahiyya, which one do you do? Do you do both or do you only do one? Right, the sunnah is to only do one and not to combine all of them or two of them or three of them, to do one. Right, and again we say in these type of instances, the best thing to do is alternate between them. Sometimes you do this one, sometimes you do wajahtu wajahiyya. Understand? Another dua of istiftah is Allahu Akbar kabira walhamdulillahi kathira wa subhanallahi bukratan wa asila. This is another example of a dua of istiftah. So that's number three. So if we know three of them, you alternate. Sometimes wajahtu, sometimes Allahu Akbar kabira, sometimes Allahumma ba'id bayni wa bayna khatayaya. Understand? You chop and change basically between them, but you don't combine them. The benefits of doing this is you are now completely following the Prophet You're acting upon more hadith and not just one. You understand? Number two is you are now preserving the sunnah in more ways than just preserving one hadith. Number three is it's ahdar lil qalb, which means what? It keeps your heart and mind present. Why? If you say the same thing every salah, Allahu Akbar, wajah to wajah, the Father of Allah, it just becomes repetition. You understand? Whereas if you chop and change, you say Allahu Akbar, and now you think. You understand? You're actually thinking about it. You actually, your mind is actually there. It's not just Allahu Akbar, wajah to wajah, the Father of Allah, you understand? Your heart is now present because you are actually alternating. Or you start Allahu Akbar and you realize, look, I said what jahtu this morning. Mufajr and Dhuhr. So I'm going to change up, I'm going to say Allahu Akbar kabira wa alhamdulillahi kathira. Different hadith now, different one you're acting upon now. So it's ahdad lil qalb, meaning it keeps the heart and mind present. And that's another benefit in changing it up. Um, and so forth. So forth. At times it can be easier for the for the mukallaf person, yani let's say a, a youngster, you can teach him maybe the easiest one first. So sometimes wajahtu is a long one, it's difficult to memorize for some. Instead of doing that, you teach him Allahu Akbar Kabira. Short and easy one. There's another one coming up that's also short and easy. You teach him that one. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Right? And then he can learn the rest as he gets older. You make it easy for them. As opposed to saying, you must do Allahumma ba'id. Or you must do wajahtu wajahiyya. You can give them an easy one to learn. Wahakada. A fifth benefit is when you switch like this between the different types of ibadat, what happens? You get different benefits. When you say wajahtu wajahiyya, it's a different thing you are saying. When you say Allah antal malik la ilaha illa ant, it's a different thing you are reminding yourself of. And there's a different dua in there. You understand? When you say Allahumma ba'id, a different dua in there, a different benefit. So this is at least five benefits of chopping and changing between them, right? At least five benefits of chopping and changing between them. We take one more hadith because it deals with the last dua of istiftah. A simple one is that from Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu anhu, he used to say, Umar used to say, Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik wa tabarak asmuk wa ta'ala jadduk wa la ilaha ghayruk. Right? This hadith is in Muslim. He says with a chain that's cut. The hadith is mawkuf, which means it's from the words of Umar. Right? It's from the words of Umar. What Umar used to do is, he used to teach this dua to the people. Loud. He used to teach it to the people loudly. You understand? So that they can learn the dua. Understand? Subhanak Allahumma wa bihamdik. Subhanak means perfection belongs to you. You free Allah from all deficiency, all weakness. Understand? Like we spoke about the name As-Salam. He's perfect from all angles. Free from any weakness, any uh, deficiencies, from all angles. That's what Subhanallah means. Subhanaka. So perfect are you, O oh Allah. Wabihamdik. And I praise you. And all praises is for you. And you are perfect, O oh Allah. 
and you are deserved of all praise. As perfect, you, pra- you praise Allah firstly, you glorify Him. You say perfection belongs to you, O Allah, and all praises belongs to you because of your perfection. You are deserved of all complete and perfect praise. Right? وَتَبَارَكَسْمُكْ And honored or blessed are your na- is your name. Allah's names, every one of them are full of barakah and blessings. Right? وَتَبَارَكَسْمُكْ And blessed is your name. وَتَعَالَى جَدُّكْ And exalted is your majesty. Exalted is the greatness of Allah. The majesty of Allah is far and high above everything else. وَلَا إِلَهَ غَيْرُكْ And there is none worthy of worship except you. There is no ilah but you. No deity that's worthy of worship except for you. Understand? Easy one, short one, simple one. The issue here is that it's from the saying of Umar. So does it mean it's a sunnah? Yes or no? Should we act upon this hadith? Yes or no? Yes, we should. Why? Because the Prophet said, Alaykum bi sunnati wa sunnati al-khulafai rashidin al-mahdiyin. Upon you is to follow my sunnah and the sunnah of the rightly guided caliphs. Which is who? Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman and Ali. So this is something that Umar is teaching. He must have learned it from the Prophet And if we say there's no dalil for that, at least we know the Prophet said you must follow the sunnah of Umar. Unless Umar is contradicting Quran and sunnah, then obviously we won't take the opinion of Umar, right? But in this case he's not. He's teaching the people this, which means he must, be, he must have, you know, learned it from um, the Prophet and so forth. So, this is another example of the dua of istiftah that we say. So, that's four that I mentioned. Wajahtu wajahiyya. Allahumma ba'id bayni wa bayna khatayaya. Allahumma Allahu akbar kabira. Walhamdulillahi kathira. Wa subhanallahi bukrata wa asila. And subhanakallahumma bihamdik tabarakasmuk wa ta'ala jadduk wa la ilaha ghayruk. Understand? That's at least four examples of the dua of istiftah that we recite um, when we start the salah. When we start the salah. A benefit from this hadith is that if you are a person who is in a position of leadership, for example, right? Like Umar did, he said the dua out loud to teach people the dua. And this is something that you can do for your family, for example, in the classroom, for example. An imam of the masjid can teach people this dua by reciting it out loud. Even if it be in the salah every now and then. You understand? Or on the mimbar. Understand? To teach the people. And even uh, Abdullah ibn Abbas, he recited the Fatiha in Salatul Janazah. Loud. Usually it's decided soft. The first rakah of Janazah Salah, he decided it loud and he said, لِتَعْلَمُوا أَنَّهَا sunnah." So people can know that it's a sunnah. Understand? So this is a, when there's a need for this, the Imam can do this. And when that need has been fulfilled, he goes back to the way that it should be done, which is quietly. Understand this? So this is something that we can also take benefit from. At times, there's a time where you can do it loudly. And at times you do it softly. Imam al-Shafi'i rahimahullah, he would, he entered a town and in this town he lived the salah for a month. After the, every salah he would make the dhikr of the salah loud. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam tabarakta dal jalal wa ikram. You know, and the rest. Why did he do this? To teach the people how to do it. And after the, it was done, he stopped doing it loud. To prove it's not the sunnah to do it loudly. But I did this for a reason, which was to teach the people the sunnah. Are you with me? So when people say, for example, Cape Town, see, Imam Shafi did it. So we also do it to teach the people. You cannot do it for 50, 500 years or 300 years and say you're still teaching the people. He did it for a month and he stopped. Are you with me? That justification doesn't work. It just shows you are doing it because that's the culture. You're not doing it to teach anybody. In fact, if you ask the people to do it themselves, they still don't know. All the years they've never been taught Wallahu musta'an So there is a benefit in that But for a short period of time Until the Until your goal has been reached They've been taught Now you go back to the way it should be done Which is softly Or the way that the Prophet uh, Did it Right Can we take one more hadith A short one 
It's also to do with the istiftah or just after the istiftah. Just after the istiftah. From Sa'id al-Khudri radiallahu anhu, marfu'an in the khamsa, the five books. In it, it says, وَكَانَ يَقُولُ بَعْدَ التَّكْبِيرِ He used to say after the takbir, takbirat al-ihram, right? And also this means after the dua al-istiftah. <coughs> so you say Allahu Akbar, you say your dua al-istiftah, whichever one of the four that, that you know or that you choose, then he would say, أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ السَّمِيعِ الْعَلِيمِ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ مِنْ هَمْزِهِ وَنَفْخِهِ وَنَفْثِهِ He would now seek protection and refuge in Allah from shaitan. Before reciting Quran. There's a clip of him reciting Quran and he starts the recitation with us. Before I've heard the clip of him reciting Quran and he starts he starts his recitation by saying, A'udhu Billahi Sami'il Alim Mina Shaitan Rajim. Right? So we seek refuge in Allah from Shaitan, the rejected one, through two names of Allah, as Sami' and Al Alim, the All Hearing and the All Knowing. Why these two names? Allah hears what? Your plea. And Al Alim, He knows what you're seeking refuge from. He knows Shaitan is there. He knows. So these two names are actually very much appropriate to seek refuge in Allah through. Because he hears your plea and your call, and he also knows exactly what you need to be saved from. And he knows exactly what you need to be protected from. The waswasa shaitan and so forth. Right? Min hamzihi wa nafthihi wa nafthihi. From three things of shaitan. Right? Three things from shaitan. His hams, which means his whispers or his prickling, his prickling whispers. Right? Ibn Uthaymin also says this refers to something also more specific than those whispers. It refers to a type of insanity. Because what shaitan does is he can afflict a person such that they become insane. Right? Through waswasa you can become overcome. Or you can become possessed or so forth. So hams he says is a type of insanity, a type of madness. So when you are saying this, you are saying it against the whispers and also against the type of insanity and madness. Hamzihi wa nafkhihi. Nafkh is huh? not your nafs, it's a type of arrogance. This is also what shaitan wants, to create arrogance within a person, to destroy that person. Kibr. So nafkhihi is like what he afflicts you with of kibr. Some translations say of his, um, his blowing. Now, when shaitan blows onto you, right? Nafkh here can also refer to blowing, or it can refer to kibber, which he tries to inflict upon a person, to destroy that person. Right? And nafath, nafthihi, refers to spittle. Nafth, spittle. You know what spittle? Like. A dry spit, right? Like spitting, but nothing comes out, right? This they say also refers to his uh, his poetry, his eloquence, nafth. Understand? So, you three things of shaitan you are seeking refuge in through these names of Allah. Through Allah, his name, A'udhu Billah, through the name of Allah, and As-Sami'ul Alim, from the accursed shaitan, the rejected shaitan. From his sprinkling whispers, his blowing and his spittle. Which refers to his a type of insanity which he can inflict upon you. Kibir which he can inflict upon you. And his eloquence which he can divert you with. And, and misguide you through. Understand this? Can this be done when you recite the Quran, this, this method? Yes it is. It's permissible. Right? To recite this isti'adha when you recite the Quran. Um, but it's also highly recommended when you start the salah. Because remember, the moment you're on the musalla, shaitan's duty is to disrupt your salah. And this is how the first step to expelling shaitan. You seek refuge in Allah against him. You understand? What if you only said, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Rajim? Instead of saying this one, 
You say, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem. It's still good. It's still good. But this is a better way of doing it. It's still good. I would say at least you should say that. Or you should say, A'udhu Billahi Samiyya Al-Alim Minash Shaitanir Min Hamzi Wa Nafthi Wa Nafghi. Understand? At least say, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem. Or say this one. You understand? Uh, and some ulama said it's fard to say it. It's wajib to say it. Because Allah said, فَإِذَا قَرَأْتَ الْقُرْآنِ فَاسْتَعِذْ بِاللَّهِ مَا شَيْطَانِ الرَّجِيمِ When you recite the Qur'an, then seek refuge in Allah. From shaitan, the rejected one. You understand? So it's a fard. Because Allah instructed it. Commanded you with it. And you have to preserve your salah. You understand? That's how you preserve your salah, by chasing away the shaitan. Understand? Tayyib. <coughs> and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. So those are four things, four types of istiftah, du'as, and at least we have to do isti'adha. Isti'adha means you seek refuge in, in Allah from shaitan, the rejected one. Isti'adha is to say, A'udhu billahi min shaitanir rajeem, or A'udhu billahi sami'il alimi min shaitanir rajeem, min hamzihi, wa nafkhihi, wa nafthihi. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk.